cinematic host, Stefan Whitaker, the head honcho of SW Films. And wow, I cannot believe it. We are here. Episode 10 of the podcast. We are here. Um, and this is kind of wild right now. This is, uh, this is a, a very specific episode that we're filming today. Um, this is a Q&A, questions and answering. And I'm super, super excited, first and foremost, just to be here on the 10th episode uh, to go ahead and give you guys some awesome, you know, get some awesome content talking about some different stuff. Um, we got my boy. Anadari Santana, for all the folks who have been watching and listening, Anadari has been a part of the pod for a, well, since the beginning. He was the first, he was the first guest I had on the podcast. He's hailing all the way from Florida, Orlando, or Deltona, Florida, and uh, he's here today um, to be a part of this 10th episode, and I actually really appreciate the homie Dari for being here, and uh, he's going to be the one, you know, asking the questions that all of you guys have submitted um and uh yeah it's gonna be really awesome so i appreciate everybody who's here as i'm filming this actual podcast for the people listening and watching on youtube i'm actually going live on facebook at the moment as well um so shout out to the people who are literally watching and listening live right now so if you guys uh kind of get you know get this ahead of time so i appreciate everybody who's here um but yeah this is just an awesome opportunity to be here for this podcast and to talk to y'all about uh, some dope stuff. So first and foremost, I have a couple introductions and stuff I want to make before we get going here with the questions. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you to everybody. Thank you to everyone who has literally stuck around and supported this podcast, supported SW Films in the new year of 2022. Um, it's a blessing. It really is a blessing to be in this position right now because, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just, um, starting a podcast is, is a big thing to do. So I really appreciate everybody who has taken the time to listen to every single episode that has come out. Um, we've been really literally dropping episodes every Monday. So I appreciate everybody just to, for sticking around and, and uh, you know, listening to the excellence, you know, to the guests that I bring on and listening to myself. I really appreciate every single one of you guys. Um, so as you guys can see in this live, I want to talk about the live real quick. I know I got a couple of viewers. First of all, hello to everybody who's watching live. I don't know who it is. Comment, say hello. Me and Dari are here. But uh, I just want to say in the in the um, in the live, I have plugged in one of uh, one of my links to a specific video that I released on my birthday, January 9th, 2022. I dropped the Cinematic Excellence Reel number one. That is the new demo reel for SW Films. Um, I'm also going to tag that into the comments below for YouTube and every all the different kind of links on all the different podcast channels. Um, I'm really, really happy that I put out that reel. I. Uh, it was just time. I didn't get a, I didn't get a chance to release a reel in 2020 because of 2020. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, what we got going on in live? Oh, my mom, <laughs> Dari, could you stand up real quick? My mom's like, bring them on camera. <laughs> People, <laughs> mom, he's sitting in the back right now. So he's probably not going to be, he, you don't have to get up, Dari. You're good. You're good. Mom, you cool. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so Cinematic Excellence Reel, guys, make sure to go check that out. It is an awesome demo reel. I'm trying to go crazy with the marketing, with the branding for SW Films this year. And the, the reels is the best way to start off the momentum. So thank you to everyone who's already been watching and enjoying it so far. Um, another thing to pop off before we start this pod, there's Dari on the live right here. <laughs> Say hello to the live. <laughs> My mom is saying hello. She's down there. She's, she's like, no, your mom is watching. Yes. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so uh, another thing, guys, right before we hop into this Q&A, um, I want to talk about a little bit of a change in the schedule for the podcast. 
uh, for now that all these pre-recorded episodes are about to come out. So today I'm recording this at January 30th on a Sunday. Tomorrow is the 31st, the last day of January of 2022, which is kind of insane. This month went by super quick. Usually this month is like the slowest month, but this month has gone by super fast. So um, tomorrow, uh, Deshaun Bailey, another friend who went to full sale with me and Dari as well. Uh, his podcast episode drops tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure to go check that out with him. It's a long conversation, but it is, it is well worth it. It's such a fun and awesome convo. And uh, me and Dar or me and Deshaun had uh, some amazing conversations. So make sure to go check that out. Um, that is episode nine. All right. What everyone is watching and listening to right now, this is, of course, episode 10. This is a special episode for the Q&A. And uh, yeah, I can't I can't uh, I can't wait just to you know, to continue, keep going on with these podcasts, but the, the, the pod schedule change is going to be more like, I think I'm going to probably release at least two to three episodes a month. So usually in some of these months I've been releasing, you know, every single Monday, uh, a lot of that stuff kind of, um, releasing every single Monday, mainly because all those were pre-recorded. Now it's just going to be two to three episodes a month or maybe even a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Um, so just keep track of that. Keep track of all of our pages, of course, make sure to go like the Facebook page, like Instagram page, go subscribe to our YouTube page and, you know, listen to us on Apple podcast, Spotify, Podbean, and, you know, wherever, wherever else you listen to podcasts. All right. Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's kind of it with all my introductions. Now, I think we can kind of finally start going into some stuff here and I'm super excited to, to get things rolling. So Dari's going to be the one asking me the questions, and I'm going to be the one answering all of these questions, these hard-hitting questions. Um, it's going to be uh, very interesting. So, Dari, if you want to go ahead and uh, give me the first question, and I can, I can start, uh, start getting to it. So our first question, uh, it's a two-parter. So what it says is, what is the craziest, most exciting set you've ever been on, and what happened? Interesting um i'm going to so live i know live some people on live probably can't hear dari so dari said and i do have the questions up on mine too so i'll just have that just so i can read it off so what is the craziest most exciting set you've ever been on and what happened from arturo first of all shout out arturo uh awesome actor out here in the bay what's my what's my most exciting set i've ever been on um you know honestly that's a hard question because i feel like I've, I've gotten to that point where I've been a part of a lot of different productions and stuff. So uh, every experience is different, but the ones that are the most exciting to me are always usually the bigger films that I've been on. So for instance, Shang-Chi, The Legend of Ten Rings. Um, if you guys haven't watched that, you know, y'all need to get to it. Like, don't, don't be slacking. That's a great movie. Um, Shang-Chi was exciting because it was exciting because... Uh, it was more exciting because I didn't know anything about Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi was something that I never, never had heard of, never had even known about in the Marvel cinematic or Marvel universe, but the comic books, Shang-Chi was just exciting because we were literally doing stunts the entire week in San Francisco. You know, we, if you've watched the movie and I, this is not a spoiler or anything, but like we literally had a bus, a Muni bus that they have in the city of San Francisco. And we, crashed this bus into a into a um uh, a garbage truck <laughs> it was one of the craziest kind of uh situations and things happening for the pot or for the podcast for the in the film um it was just a long day and we were filming out in Ghirardelli Square and if you guys have ever been to Ghirardelli Square in San Francisco that's a heavily trafficked tourist spot 
And even though this was October of 2020, COVID was, you know, obviously full effect. Um, hell of people were outside and people were just there, you know, um, people were just there watching everything go down. And obviously I was a PA on that shoot and there was like, I don't know, probably like 10, 15 PAs literally is like, we had to lock off all these different areas of the Ghirardelli square, making sure people don't get hit by a fucking truck or a bus. <laughs> That's kind of a wild situation. So um, that was, that was really exciting. That was really exciting. That was really fun. Um, and it was really cool. Um, mom is saying need volume. Mom, what are you talking about? Yeah, I know you can hear me. Um, but anyway, so that, that was a, that was a pretty crazy situation on, uh, on the, <laughs> on working on Shang-Chi matrix as well. Matrix resurrections. I would say that was an exciting, an exciting project too, but it was least exciting. It was less as, as exciting as Shang-Chi or even Venom sometimes like Shang-Chi just had much more, first of all, it was during the daytime, right? Shang, uh, when I worked on Matrix and Venom, all that stuff was like overnight shoots. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that wasn't fun. I mean, it was kind of cool seeing a helicopter fly through the city of San Francisco during Matrix. That was pretty crazy. Um, that was wild. So, you know, yeah. Mom is saying fix the sound. Mom, what are you talking about fix the sound? I know you can hear me. Hold on. I need someone else than my mother to tell me to fix the sound because <laughs> I, I, I feel like mom, hold on. I don't want to uh, disrupt the pod here. All right. Um, but yeah, so uh, that was a, that was a pretty crazy experience. Definitely working on Shang-Chi, but I would say, or on matrix, I would say Shang-Chi is the most exciting set. And what happened was all that stuff I just explained. Um, so yeah. Uh, Dari, give me the next question. So our next questionnaire coming from Nasia. 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 Shout out, shout out, Joe. Nasia. <laughs> What's what? Oh, Joe. My her name is Nasia, but okay, shout out her. Cool. What's one thing that you learned the hard way that you value in relationships? Okay, so the question is, what's one thing that you've learned the hard way that you value in relationships, all relationships? Oh my God, this question is kind of, um, what's the, I'm, I'm just looking at it again. What's the one thing you've learned the hard way in relationships? Damn. Um, that's a tough question. <laughs> uh, I feel like one thing that I've learned a lot in relationships in the past year what are you talking about? No sound. Hold on. Um, my yeah, mom, turn up, turn up your phone because I <laughs> turn up the volume on your phone. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, the the live is fine. Or excuse me, not the live, but the uh, you should definitely be able to hear me still. The hardest thing that I feel like I've had to learn, honestly, was just boundaries. Um, I think boundary having like really building boundaries. Like I didn't have so many boundaries in the last, really in most of my relationships, to be honest. And uh, that kind of ruined some of the experiences a little bit for me uh, in the last specific kind of situation I was in. Um, you know, so I honestly had to learn how to create boundaries for myself and create boundaries and, and learn how to accept other people's boundaries too. So that's kind of that's kind of something that I had to that I had to figure out was really just um, building my own boundaries, you know, and uh, 
just knowing what's what to accept right or wrong for me that was that that's the big thing for me and I think all in all relationships like Dari like me and you right like you know me and Dari when I first met Dari back in uh college <laughs> well we we roasted the shit out of each other <laughs> like non-stop and we still do Dari Dari just you know has just moved out here to California and me and Dari have been talking shit to each other literally literally the entire time like I've 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 been wanting to kill this man low-key <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, I think boundaries and friendships and boundaries and, and like romantic relationships are very different and you have to learn how to manage them different. Like I would, I would argue to say that having boundaries in friendships or even in family is, is much harder to have in romantic relationships because in romantic relationships, the boundaries that you should build with your partner is uh, no sound on either Facebook live feed. What? Hold on, I'm I'm gonna go live again, guys. Wait a minute, I just I just not, nobody can hear me. Hold up. I was talking about uh, boundaries in relationships. The question was, what have I learned in relationships, or what 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 is this something I value in relationships that I had to learn the hard way? And I talked about building boundaries um, in all of my relationships when it comes to friendships, uh, romantic relationships, family relationships, um, and I spoke about how just um, building boundaries in a romantic relationship is much more clear than building boundaries in a friendship or family relationship at least that's what i feel like so um i i would i would argue to say that it's definitely um it's definitely something i've had to learn the hard way it's just building boundaries you know what i mean and, and accepting other people's boundaries as well you know what i mean so uh that's that's the important thing is just making sure all of that is clear and uh i think that's what i've had to value what i value the most is is actually having boundaries in a relationship so uh what's your next question so erica is saying what's the best advice you've ever gotten on set that you still follow okay shout out to erica svensson she's actually going to be on the podcast very soon another incredible filmmaker she was the she was the uh assistant or she was the yeah, personal assistant for keanu reeves shout out to erica so can you answer that sorry ask that question again so erica said What's the best advice that you've gotten on set that you still follow today? What's the best advice that I've gotten on set that I still follow today? Wow. Um, you know, honestly, man, this is, this is a really kind of a complex question for me because I feel like every day I hop on set, I get some different advice. So shout out to my cousin Hilton, who's an amazing assistant director out here in the Bay Area. Uh, I get a lot of different advice from him. You know what I mean? And there's honestly so much damn advice that I've gotten from him that I don't, it's hard to keep up with all the stuff that he's told me because I have a lot of different conversations with him. But one, one advice that he's given me, he gave this to me actually when I very first came out to California. He said, don't, I think he said, don't follow absolutes or don't, something with absolutes, right? So like basically saying that all of some, like one of something means all of something, right? So like it's saying like, Honestly, right, if we're talking about like racism, right, I'm, I'm about to get deep here in it for, for a quick second. Like when they say, when they see, you know, one black person doing something crazy and they say, oh, all black people is, is dumb or stupid or wild. Like, that's what I mean. That's what he meant when he said absolutes. At least that's how I, how I perceived it. And I think that advice is probably not something necessarily for set, but I think that's a very great advice in just life right and i think i have used that understanding to when i go to work and when i work on these different sets you know what i mean like 
Um, for instance, a really good example, LA, right? I've worked in LA one time, but I've worked with a lot of LA people. Uh, I've worked with a lot of LA people actually uh, out here in the Bay Area. A lot of LA crews will come to the Bay Area and they'll shoot a lot of different productions and stuff out here. And the thing about LA folks, right? And I, and I, and I break this rule. I'm telling you guys about it right now, but LA people, they're usually the LA crews. They're usually known to be a little bit more, you know, egotistical in certain ways, or they don't like how certain things are done here in the Bay with productions and stuff like that. And, uh, it's funny, right? It's sometimes you might think, Oh, an LA crew is getting to come out here. This is about to be, this is about to be a, uh, a, a whole situation. And I think that's the whole idea of absolutes is not letting your mind get to that situation to where it's like, Oh, an LA person about to come here. We already know what this is about to be. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's something that I want to like, you know, I don't think that's something that anybody should adapt, you know, when they're on set, like, you know, this industry that I work in, it's, it's, it's a very, things are happening all the time. Different things are happening every single day. Like if I'm working a, a job that's like two or three days long, where I'm working on a feature film, that's like a week or two long or a couple months long, not every single day is going to be the same. And uh, not every person is going to act the same or be the same. You know, there's some people I've worked with on set where like, they're the nicest people on earth, but one day they just, you know, they, they went, they got hit by a meteor, you know, <laughs> they got mad, they got pissed off and their whole attitude changed. I'm like that sometimes on set, you know, one day is good. And then the next day is like, eh, you know, so um, I really learned that experience. I would say that advice, that advice really took place when I actually worked in LA. Um, I worked in LA on the baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar music video, family ties. And uh, that was my first time really like, that was my only time working in LA. And when I worked out there, the crew was, the crew felt like a Bay area crew. The crew was so, was so cool. People were really very accommodating. People were, you know, it felt like, it felt like a family setting, like as, as set should. And um, I think that was just something that uh, kind of changed my outlook on just like the idea of, of absolutes when it comes to like LA crews or absolutes in that, in that position. So I would definitely say that's the best advice I've got is uh, do not, do not believe in absolutes or do not speak absolutes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's probably my, the best advice that I got. So shout out to Hilton <laughs> for that advice. Uh, next question. We got Kim. Kim is saying, did you always want to be in the film industry? Shout out to Kim. Kim asks, do have, I did I always want to be in the film industry? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, the no part comes in, you know, like, I did want to always be a part of the film industry. Like as when I, well, when I was younger, I always wrote like my own stories and I always created my own, like, you know, ideas of TV shows and films and video games and all this different type of stuff I was into. But, uh, you know, as I was, when I was young growing up, I didn't think I was going to be doing anything like this. Like, I think, you know, I, I think every child at one point probably wanted to grow up and wanted to, wanted to do, like wanted to be like a fireman or like a policeman or go to the army, like shit like that. I don't know why I just, you know, shit that had like guns and action and fire. I think all the, all the boys, all the, all the young, young guys growing up wanted to do that at one point. But uh, you know, obviously, you know, film and creating stories and stuff like that kind of just became something I was really interested in from a, from a young age. But when I got into like high school, you know, I started playing football. Um, I started playing rugby and stuff like that like and I was really into those things and I honestly thought that I wanted to play college football but 
well, I am a big dude, sure. <laughs> but, you know, football just wasn't for me. It just wasn't it wasn't the path that I was supposed to be on. And uh, I remember I also tried to be a zookeeper. I've told that story on the podcast a couple of different times. Um, I'm glad I didn't get into that shit. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> Could you imagine? Dar, I wouldn't have met you, actually, if I if I became a zookeeper. You're, you would have to come to Indiana one time. Actually, no, I would have been in Florida. No, they would have locked you up in a zoo. <laughs> I, I would. I actually would have. Uh, I actually would have. Would have actually, because I was. I was looking at a school in Florida to do the zoo stuff. But anyway, um, I think the only thing that I really could see myself be is a filmmaker. I couldn't see myself doing all those other things that I wanted to do. Like I wanted. I thought I wanted to be a zookeeper, but. I don't think I could actually see myself in that position. You know what I mean? And like, I thought at one point I maybe wanted to do, you know, play football, but I don't think I could really see myself in that position. When it came to being a filmmaker, I could see myself visually see myself in that position, um, see myself in that position to be a filmmaker. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I would say yes and no. I, I, I did always want to do it, but at the same time, as I, as I was growing older, I also thought I wanted to be a rapper. <laughs> now, of course, you guys know I released No Sweat Pimp, my, my only album. Uh, I, did, you know, I did release that, but that's just a part of the journey of that, I think, of just being an artist, just being a creative. So, you know, um, I could really be anything I want to. But as a filmmaker, I'm definitely that, and I'm only getting better. Uh, shout out to Troy Zerverbalist, who just hopped on the, hopped on the live. You should, Troy, you should definitely be waiting on here. To hear your questions get answered. <laughs> but anyway, um, next question, Dari. Our next question says, what's a challenge you faced and what did you learn from it while entering, while entering the industry? What's a challenge I faced and how did I deal with it with entering the industry? Hmm. These questions is hard, yo, <laughs> to be honest. Did you talk about that time where it, it was between um, uh, Amazon and Oh, yeah. Thank, thank you for mentioning that. Okay. That, that is a good challenge. At least that gives me ideas for, you know, opens up my mind to some of the challenges I've had. So the quick, yeah. Uh, what challenges did I have before I entered or entered into this issue, whatever. So funny enough, right. The, the situation that Dari is bringing up, um, <laughs> Troy, Joe Burrow's the truth. Oh yeah. There is a bunch of football games going on right now. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so I did. I did have this challenge actually right when I right when I entered into California. So as you guys know, I did work on Venom. Let there be carnage. Um, it was an awesome opportunity to work with work with that crew and be a part of that film. And you know, getting to be next to Andy Circus and literally drinking with Woody Harrelson, and uh, you know, seeing Tom Hardy passing through and just some really crazy experiences. But you know, I almost didn't end up on that job because because I. I thought I wanted to do a different job that wasn't even film related. I thought I actually wanted to, I thought I wanted to work with Amazon, like actually like drive, you know, California people know this a lot, but you know, the Amazon and Indiana probably knows it too. The Amazon drivers who drop off the packages and stuff. I almost took that job over working on Venom. Um, and I had a reason for it, right? Kind of. <laughs> I, I almost took that job because I thought I wanted to do like a re have a regular job that I could build up my money and invest back into SW films. And uh, it's funny, like Hilton, my cousin told me like, yo, do you want to get on this? What's the, what's the deal? And I kind of told him like, ah, man, I don't really know. I, I actually, I have this interview with Amazon 
and <laughs> and Dari, right? Dari knows because Dari worked at Amazon actually. But uh, I, I took this this interview with Amazon, and literally, uh, when I went through the when I went through the interview, I just knew in my mind, like, damn, I shouldn't be here right now. Like, what the hell am I doing now? Mind you, Venom Two wasn't even close to actually going into production in SF um, when I got asked. So I kind of got lucky with the timing because if the timing was not was not right. I probably would have took that Amazon job maybe, or, you know, I probably wouldn't have been on Venom. So I'm actually, you know, the timing of everything was, was, was how it was, but I almost worked with Amazon just because I thought I needed to build up capital through just working a regular job. But I had to find out moving to California. What I didn't know is that, you know, um, the freelance world, it's a, it's a, it's a, the, the wheels really get turning here once you start getting, building up your network. And once you really start uh, you know, working on these different productions and you work hard and people notice you and people recognize your name, recognize your work ethic, recognize your ambition on these sets, people will hire you, you know? So Dari just moved out here to the, you know, California and I'm trying to get him, get him on that path to where it's like people can start to recognize him and start to place him in those positions and build up a network. So um, that was a challenge. And I think the challenge of that was, I don't know, just, just not, not the, my challenge was how was I going to make money? How was I going to live out here in California? You know, and, and I'm lucky enough to where I have, you know, my mom, shout out to moms watching, like my mom has been a supporter. And uh, when it comes to the challenges that I usually have out here, I usually bring it up to my mom <laughs> or I just try to figure out the damn challenges on my own. And uh, it's been cool to um, it's been cool to kind of balance between. Uh, just balance between like knowing the position that I'm in you know, when it comes to just living in California and also when it just comes to all of my financial stuff, it's just, it's just important to tackle those challenges first. Just make sure that I'm well off, make sure that I'm able to keep living. You know, I live as you, as the people will can see on the podcast, you know, on this main camera right here, I'm, I'm literally in my apartment filming. This is, this has been my, this has been my area. So that's one of the big challenges I've had to face in the industry. Another big challenge I've had to face is, um, I don't want to say difference in opinion, because that's just kind of dumb, I guess, to say that. But sometimes I think the passive aggressiveness is a challenge, right? There's a lot of people in this industry <laughs> who are a little passive aggressive. And, uh, you know, I've, I've met people. Matter of fact, Dara, we were talking about yesterday about stuff in college. You weren't in this class, but there was this. So me and Dari both went to film school. The people who are watching on live, you can't see Dari. He's in the back right here. Where he's at? He's right there. <laughs> But um, uh, sometimes people shout out to Gersh. What's up, Gersh? Gersh is watching. What's up, big homie? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you for viewing this podcast. I appreciate you, man. Um, but the question was that Dari asked that I've been that I've been answering here is uh, what challenge did I face and how did I learn from it when entering the industry? That's from Ajne. By the way, shout out Ajne who's watching. Ajne was a, a, a 12, 13 year old actress, aspiring actress and, dan and, and singer that uh, happened, to, happened to be on one of the music video shoots that I was uh, directing back in May of last year, Dion Jada's video, Whoa. So shout out to her um, for asking that question. But uh, that's the challenges of passive aggressiveness, right? Like you're gonna, there's been so many people I've met on set who I just don't mesh with some of the, some of the, some people, you know what I'm saying? There's different, there's different, different levels of temperature. There's different levels of opportunity. There's different levels of experience, right? Some of the people who are usually passive aggressive, they got more experience than me. 
and I'm not mad at that, but um, sometimes that sometimes that passive aggressiveness or just outwardly aggressiveness, sometimes that, that you have to deal with that because that becomes, that kind of becomes a, a, a test a little bit. So um, your niece did so well in your short film, she got talent. Shout outs, thank you, Troy. Thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've had to, I think that's a challenge sometimes. It's like just dealing with sometimes the different personalities on set. You just have to shout out to Brandon Akers, who's on live as well. I see you. Thank you for joining the podcast, my man. Um, sometimes you have to deal with this, with the different um, personalities just by understanding people. You know what I'm saying? Like even the people who are usually passive aggressiveness, I have to understand why they're passive aggressive in that situation or just in general. You know what I mean? Like this industry that I work in, it can be very frustrating and it can be very the whole experience feels sarcastic sometimes, <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, it's just about, uh, it's just about managing, um, I guess, you know, emotions and stuff on set and don't take anything personal. Um, sometimes when people, when my cousin, right? When my cousin gets at me sometimes on set, sometimes I'll be ready to, I'll be ready to get at him. <laughs> you know, I'll be ready to want to, you know, to uh, stone cold Steve Austin his ass, but <laughs> I'd be just, I'd just be just chilling and, and just realizing that none of this stuff is personal. Um, you know, we're just trying to get the job done. That's our main goal. That's what everybody's goal is. So um, there's a lot of challenges I face on set, but those two have to be the ones that I can remember the most. So uh, what's your next question, Dari? What is something you would want someone who is interested in acting to know? What is something that, hold on, I'm going to make sure to read that right for the folks. What is something you would want someone who is interested in acting to know? Okay, interesting question. Shout out to Ajne for that question. I knew she would ask something like that because, like I said, she's an aspiring actress. Um, man, that is a tough question, man. Uh, research, learn. You know, it's funny. I've asked a lot of actors, what is, what is a favorite actor or actress movie whatever like what are what are what are your favorites of those some people can't give me some people always sometimes like who i've asked that recently some people can't give me like any kind of a question to those which is which is a little odd sometimes like i always say this right guys and i'm i've actually i'm working on something that's kind of used to explain to help people who just want to start off as a create you know as a creative in any kind of medium and stuff like that right and uh, i always say this like if you want to be an actor, you want to be a rapper, you want to be a, 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 a filmmaker, literally make it a passion. If you really, if you want to, if you want to do it right, it has, you have, there has to be some passion there. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who will hop on, who want to be a filmmaker, want to be an entrepreneur, want to be an, an artist or a rapper, whatever. And sometimes they only want to do it because there's money behind that. There's money behind those things. And people just want to grab onto the gold, right? And I, and I always disagree with that mentality. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I feel like if people really want to, you know, be a part of something like that, that you should have a passion. Like really, if you love, if you want to be an actress, an actor, then you should be able to tell me or tell anybody what has inspired you to be an actor. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would just say, do research, you know, do research. And also, you know, um, not just research as, as an actor, but research how to like what it's like to be on a film set. You know, uh, shout out to my homie Amaru Davis. I don't know if he's gonna be watching, but shout out to him. He's an awesome uh, actor and friend that I met 
uh, early when I first moved out here to California. And he was originally an actor, but he actually hopped on that set as a PA. And I remember talking to him, thinking to myself, like I had never met an actor who would, who would also want to work on these film sets. And he kind of just told me straight up, he's like, yo, I'm actually trying to learn how people move on set. Because if I don't learn how people move on set as an actor, then, you know, uh, then he's like, I'm gonna be a little stuck on how to how to move through these days, these 12 hour, 13, 14 hour days on set. And I agree with him, you know, so actually, that would be the advice I'd give. Forget the passion, like have passion. That's true. But the biggest the biggest advice is to actually hop on set one time, learn how to learn to know what the director actually does when he's not talking to you as an actor, learn with the DP, the, uh, the director of photography, learn what he does when they're not, you know, trying to get your lighting or get your composition, right? Learn what a gaffer, a grip, key grip, learn what the sound man does, learn, learn all those different positions, you know, and, and, you know, in minute ways, not, you don't actually have to completely like delve into all that, but it is important to, to kind of take a look into those positions before you hop on as an actor, just because it's going to make your time as an actor much more smoother on set. And um, I would say that that's the big one, you know, is just learn how to be, learn how to be a filmmaker because actors are filmmakers too, you know? Um, what's the next question you got for me, Dari? Clyde said, what's the difference between being a musician and a videographer? Oh, man. Uh, that's, a fun, that's a good question. I'm gonna have you answer this one too, Dari, because I'm interested to hear what you say about it. So the question was, guys, What's the difference between being a musician and a videographer? Well, first off, I don't know what it's like to be a videographer. I'm a filmmaker. Um, <laughs> first and foremost, Dari, I don't know if that's, if that's something you also agree with. <laughs> Are you a videographer? I wouldn't call myself a videographer. Yeah, yeah we, we're not videographers. We're filmmakers. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, that is a good question. I'll say this. I think as a musician, starting up as a musician, right, and, and kind of, I'll say the, the similarities, right? The similarities is starting up as a musician, you're kind of by yourself, like <laughs> for a long time. Like if I was a rapper, right? I'm literally just rapping and I might hop on a beat on YouTube. You know, I might go record a session with somebody at a studio, but that person is not, I don't stick with them the entire time, right? Like for as a musician, instead, it's more of like, I'm solo for a long time. Like it's all up to me, like all the money I spend, for studio sessions and everything else, all that stuff is solely my responsibility. Now, as a videographer or filmmaker, actually more of a videographer, right? Because I'll, I'll kind of keep it towards the videographer part. Videographers kind of do the same thing almost, right? Like, Dari, you would agree that when we first started as quote unquote videographers, that we were by ourselves. Like, it was up for us to actually shoot, edit, uh, light everything, you know what I mean? Make our own, uh, make our own pre-production booklets and all that kind of stuff. Have it's basically up to us to do everything by ourselves. Now, filmmakers, right? When I work on Matrix and Shang-Chi and all these different movies, when I work on the commercials that I shoot for SW Films or whatever else, yes, I usually take sole responsibility for creating the pre-production, the development, the production at some times, and post-production elements. Like some of that stuff I'd handle by myself, but there's a huge aspect of, it's a team sport as a filmmaker, right? So it's like, there has to be matrix could not be done by one person. All right. And it wasn't, you know, that movie was, you know, eh. but <laughs> a shout out to everybody that worked on it, but you know, it wasn't the greatest movie, but that movie was not made by one person. That movie was made by thousands of people. And um, you know, that's kind of the difference. I think that's the biggest difference I think between 
being a musician and being a videographer is that there's just this sense of independence um, when it comes to branding and marketing for a long time. Now, obviously, once you get to a higher level as a musician, you'll start to build your team. You'll, you know, have, you'll have a tour manager, you'll have a manager, you'll have A&R people, you'll have, you know, a publicist, you'll have a bunch of different stuff. But I think starting out as a filmmaker, you can, you're, you have more access and ability to, to those things, to having a team, right? Like I've, I've been running SW Films, it'll be five years I've ran SW Films this year. And it's about time for me to get a team. I've been doing everything by myself. I've been, I will, uh, you know, contract people. I'll have people as my PAs, my photographers, my, you know, grip gaffer, whatever it might be, but none of those people are actually with SW Films. So um, I don't know, Dari, would you agree with that? Would you think that it's more of like a, it starts off solo in the beginning or, or how, how would you kind of sum that up? I had a different upbringing in my experience with the videography, just cause like when I first started, I'd be making videos in class. Yeah. And when I first started making videos in class, I might have been taking it more seriously than everybody else. But then when I joined you guys at Full Style, I see just as much people that look completely different than me caring about the same shit. Like, right, right. So um, being it, being at it by yourself, I say uh, I, I didn't have that experience because when I first started, I'd be like running gun with Freddie. Like it was cool to be able to bounce with somebody, bounce ideas off people right. that knew more about the subject matter than myself. Exactly. You know? Yeah, so, that's true. Uh, we, we learn off uh, people when we're not even trying you know for sure absolutely and i think also too i would also say that rappers i feel like have to actually put more money down sometimes <laughs> i mean i don't know that's that's kind of like a that's kind of like a, a I, that could probably be debated but like i think rappers have i don't know i feel like we spend a lot more money than rappers no of course right i mean this camera equipment costs hella money right like this ipad that i'm doing this live on cost me like 900 i like i'm not about to just name all the shit in here but this you know it's expensive but rappers, I'm saying, they have to, they have to spend money sometimes to perform. Like they have to spend money to, to really like buy beats and shit like that. They have they have to spend more money when it comes to even getting an opportunity to get viewed by a person. You feel what I'm saying? Like I could I could have a I could have my phone right. This iPhone that I have, the iPad that I have, I can make a movie off this right here for free. I could, I could literally make something for free. They got free editing software. iMovie comes with it. iMovie's trash, but hey, it's it's free, you know, when you get the iPad or the iPhone. But it's just like, I, I have more of an opportunity to put myself out there for free, like put my projects out online and people are going to view that and see that, right? Like that's just more of what it is. But as a rapper, it's more of like a thing where it's like, I have to spend a lot of money to even get myself noticed or to, so. Yeah, to get in platforms. Like when I was growing up, at least, a lot of people that don't do shit but make music, they found themselves in a lot more, like, cool opportunities. Oh, like, look at this shit. Like, I'm popping. And then now these days, like, I haven't heard of them. You know, like, the yeah. guys are winning. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Coming up as rappers, coming up as musicians, I think is a very tough. And I, the reason I mentioned rappers a lot also is because I've mainly worked with rappers. Like, I've also worked with R&B artists, too, and, like, country artists. And I, I, I follow some of those people still and, you know, much respect to all of those people. But, you know, I do see it does seem like there's a little bit of a hesitation or a little bit of a struggle with some of the moves that they could be doing. And uh, I argue always to say that, you know, video marketing, what me, SW Films and what Danilo Primero does over here is so essential to every single piece that people want to do. Right. Like rappers and country artists and R&B artists, they need 
videos they need to market you know they like not even they don't even need us right like they have social social media is the biggest marketing tool i would say for musicians like look at you remember uh what's his name i ain't gonna say his name but you know rap boy with the colored hair like he built himself by becoming this on social media you know what i'm saying so it's like i i would argue to say once again that they don't even need they don't need us sometimes i mean obviously they do when they're when it needs to you know bigger platforms and bigger opportunities bigger bags but i think it just comes down to being like a cool person if you're like individual yeah yeah true that's true as well you know um it's something else so i mean i I would say that's the biggest difference y'all is solo solo coming up as an artist is much different than um (laughs) troy's an island boy (laughs) yeah anyway but like uh Troy does ask on this. He says, give a story how how we, me and you, Dari, have met. And he asked if there's any crazy shit that happened before while we were together. Um, so we met hot. Was it Zach? It wasn't Zaxby's. That's when we really talked. I don't, first of all, I don't ever I don't ever really remember having Zaxby's. When I was, I was in before. class, we took out we took you to Zaxby's. You ain't never had it. Oh yeah. So me and Dari met, and people, you guys can watch the the episode one um on the podcast if you guys want to figure out that but we'll kind of briefly speak about it like me and Dari met in class you know uh and I didn't have a car at the time uh I had a bike but it got stolen in Florida (laughs) so I didn't have a car and I needed a ride home and Dari took me home one day and we chilled at his apartment talked about a bunch of different stuff Kanye West we talked about films music a bunch of different stuff and then yeah I guess we went to Zaxby's but the what was the crazy experience that we had together? I, I'll say this. My crazy experience that I had with Dari one time is, uh, and I've mentioned to you this before, but me and Dari were getting ready to do a music video for this rap, these two rappers, I think, in Day, uh, Daytona, Florida. And they wanted to shoot super early in the morning for whatever reason. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. They wanted to shoot super early in the morning for some reason. And they were like up all night, like be like up all night trying to get ready for the video shoot. And we're just in this hotel. We were, we were like a hotel in Florida, in Daytona with like a, a bunch of dudes I ain't know and a bunch of girls I ain't know either. And there we... No, <laughs> nah, there's, no, <laughs> there's no snitching on this side. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it was like we were just there and these rappers were up all night like getting ready for the video shoot. And the next thing you know, it was like nine in the morning or eight in the morning and these dudes fell asleep and they didn't even show up to Daytona to do the shoot because they were up all night. And uh, it was the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, that was funny. It was really funny because I, it was just hilarious. So um, that was a crazy moment. And then there was another one, too, that I'm missing. There was a couple of wild moments that we had. Like, honestly, I feel like Daytona housed a lot of the crazy moments that we had in Florida. But um, anyway, thank you to uh, Clyde for that question. Um, once again, I think the solo stuff with rappers is a little different. Also, the spending money is a little different. And the the timeline of just like building a team as a as a musician compared to being a videographer or filmmaker is very different as well so um what's your next question so melinda says this is a good question Melinda. she says who does your taxes <laughs> yeah i've seen this question shout out to melinda melinda that is a that was a very strange question i've seen it and i was like do i want to add it into the podcast what melinda asks is who does my taxes and it's very simple right a white man in indiana does my taxes <laughs> And my mom does helps do the taxes as well. <laughs> it's like a transactional thing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like mom first and then the man in Indiana. Uh, those are the people who do my taxes, you know? So um, 
that's a quick and easy question <laughs> to so, answer. On to the next one. Derek is saying, how come Derek Cameron is fucking sick as hell? Is what Derek said. <laughs> yes, shout out to Derek Cameron. Uh, I, I went to school with this cat. He said, what did he say? He said, how come Derek Cameron is fucking sick as hell? I don't know, Derek. Derek is a, just a cool dude. Derek actually is a, has been a supportive so I appreciate Derek for asking that very random question. Uh, by the way, this B-cam cut off too. I might probably want to turn that back on. Um, but shout out to Derek for asking that question. Uh, Brandon Edgar says, Derek is so sick. Yeah, Derek. <laughs> Derek, yeah, Derek is funny, man. Actually, I'm going to tell a story about Derek, man. Derek Cameron, like I said, this kid I went to high school with. I remember I, I stayed the night at his house one time. I was, I was like a freshman in high school. And Chris Clute was over there. Troy and Chris, shout out to Chris Clute first and foremost. But Troy and Brandon, y'all watching, y'all remember who Chris Clute and you guys remember these folks. Um, I just remember it was hella weird. We were up all night playing like Resident Evil or something like that. And I don't know what was going on, but it was just really weird as far as like Derek was eating hella cereal. And it was just, it was just a strange experience. It was just one of the, you ever had those experiences where like you stay, you stay, you stay the night at someone's house for the first time? And it's like, yo, this, this is like, I didn't expect I'd be in this house with this with this person and seeing how they live. Well, my parents didn't really let me sleep like at uh, people's cribs. They thought that was weird. I thought that was weird myself. Staying the staying the night at people's houses? Yeah. Uh, your parents are trying to protect you. Yeah, it was strict. That's funny. Mom, mom, shout out to mom would let me stay over, but like Brandon, Chris, y'all be over or Brandon, Chris, Brandon, Troy, y'all be over here staying over most times. Not over here, but back in Indiana. Anyway, uh, Derek Cameron, you are sick as hell. Shout out to you, man. Shout out to Derek, man. <laughs> What's the next question? So Jasmine said, what is the first step to entrepreneurship and what are some things that you should, that you should avoid in the beginning? That's a good question. So what is the first step to entrepreneurship and what should you avoid in the beginning? Oof. Um, so yeah, uh, that's a good question. The first step. And I know that I have some entrepreneurs in this live watching and I'm, I'm sure I'll have some more people come through and, and check it out. But, um, what is the first step? You know, this actually kind of goes back to my interview with Steve Franks. Shout out to you, Steve Franks. Um, that was episode five. Uh, and we spoke about entrepreneurship a lot. And I don't know. I don't, I don't really say there is a first. I mean, there is a first step, right? There is a first step to entrepreneurship. But it's more of, I think the very first thing of it for me, right, as an entrepreneur, myself, with my company and all the different stuff I'm running, I think it's just you have to let the noise go. You have to let the noise bleed out. I think that's the first step, right? Um, the first step, once you've actually come up with it, your idea that you want to do. Um, like Troy, you're watching like New Root Juices, right? Shout out to Troy who owns uh, New Root Juices back in Indiana and is doing a lot of progressive things to, to build it up to be much more than what it is now. Um, like when you, know, when, when you built that, it was probably a lot of people that probably thought, oh, this is probably a weird idea for you to do this, or this is not why are you doing juices? This is not cool. Or for me specifically, I had hella people when I decided to go to film school and say, I wanted to be a filmmaker, be a film director. People looked at me like I was crazy. Like I had a lot of people doubt my vision, doubt my uh, path of being a filmmaker. And, you know, I had to, I had to really learn how to let the noise go. A lot of people are going to give you opinions of what you're doing, positive or negative. And I think honestly, both of those things, both of those things, are are, are kind of like not all not really beneficial for you to, to start you know to start your journey to be honest like 
if so if, if hella people are gassing me up about oh yeah man you could you could do some amazing things with this or amazing things with that like i can see you creating the most craziest shit, whatever like that also is not beneficial because then i you know as a person who's starting you know my journey as an entrepreneur as a creative that ego can get to you because you know it just can get to you um and i think when people downplay your downplay your uh the stuff you want to do i think it just obviously obviously that just kills it discourages you from even wanting to start to create your thing so i think really the biggest the biggest first step is to let the noise go focus 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 on what you want to do it not, none of what everybody else is telling you is important focus on what you want to do figure out your research find the right people to speak to but it's important that you don't let too many too many voices and opinions in at the very beginning uh because it's the very beginning you know like when i decided to move to california when i decided to start sw films like i had so many people so many people give me different opinions on different stuff from my cousin to my friends to my family you know um and it's just like while all those all those different opinions and stuff are you know some of them appreciated it's just like yo i have to figure out how i want to start this myself you know what i'm saying and once again letting go of that noise is to me was just the perfect the perfect way for me to like get things going now things to avoid in the beginning um and I literally, I'm literally writing, I'm writing, there's a project that I'm working on, guys. I don't know when it's going to come out. It's a very different project for anything I'm coming on, but I've spoke about this. But one thing I say you have to avoid, actually, no, let me, let me go back to the, the first step. Um, yes, Steve Frank says, agreed, engage and listen to customers, not randos. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's how it is. You have to, you know, um, I love that. That's, that's, that's true. So one thing though, that I actually forgot to mention as a first step, y'all, is, uh address the elephant in the room that's that's what it was and dara you remember i was reading i was reading this thing that i've been that i'm creating but what i mean by address the elephant in the room you guys is you have to you have to realize like let me just i'm gonna tell you guys a brief story right i'm gonna tell you a brief story about someone who i was mentoring back in indiana i was mentoring this girl who wanted to be an actress a youtube star not really a YouTube star, but like she wanted to be an actress and a model and stuff like that. And when I interviewed, when I interviewed, or excuse me, when I was mentoring her, before I even mentored her, she had a lot of stuff going on in her life. You know, I'm not going to speak too brief, like too publicly about it. Like I'm going to save the project for that. But basically this person had a lot of stuff going on that was going to stop them from becoming what they wanted to become, what they were interested in. And uh, it, it, it became a little tough. It became it became kind of an issue for her. You know what I mean? It became an issue for me too, is me trying to like kind of teach her, you know, different things about, you know, uh, the world of acting and modeling. There was just certain things that I don't think she addressed before she got into that journey. You know, like imagine this, imagine I'm, you guys have seen Euphoria, right? Which is an amazing show. Amazing show. Imagine I was like a, a, a low key, uh, a drug addict. I had, I was doing hella crack and cocaine and all this kind of stuff. And I want to be a filmmaker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not addressing that. Damn, I have a whole nother issue I need to deal with personally in my life before I actually delve into something else that could be even crazier for my mental health and physical health and spiritual health. You know what I mean? And emotional health. Like, imagine that. So it's like, guys, address the elephant in the room. Like, realize that the journey is not going to, your journey with this, with this, whatever you're trying to do, entrepreneurship, creative, is not just going to 
happen at the snap of a finger. Like you have to go through so many steps. You're going to have to go through failure. That's one thing that you should always understand that when you want to be a creative or an entrepreneur, be great at anything in your life, you're going to go through failure. Failure is very necessary, I think, for your long-term success. It is. Um, so yeah, I would say address the elephant in the room and let go of any noise. Let go of all noises. And the one thing to avoid is avoid, I, I think avoid, uh, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that kind of goes with the with the noise thing, just avoiding the noise, really, and then addressing the elephant in the room with yourself and with your aspirations. Like I said, a lot of people want to do these certain certain things because they, you know, the gold is the gold is applied and attached to them. So that's the reason why they want to usually get into some of these different kinds of things. And it's like you have to address that, like really figure out why you want to do this. When I when I wanted to become a filmmaker, I thought to myself, I can't see myself doing anything else. I can't see myself doing anything else. I have to do this. You know what I mean? I have to do this. It's just, it's just, it's made for me. So um, that's what I would say for that question. Um, what you got for me, Dari? So Adam says, what films inspire you? What films do you watch and wish you made? Mm. What films inspire me and what films did I watch and wish that I made? Oh, this is about to be a, a good question or a good answer. First of all, you guys know I love Godzilla. Okay. Like <laughs> Godzilla is my, favorite thing in the world um one of my favorite things in the world um i wish that i definitely first of all godzilla inspires me a lot godzilla inspires me in life right just because godzilla is one of those forces of nature that like no matter the pain and the struggle that he might have to go through if he's getting his ass beat by another gigantic monster king kong whatever it is he's gonna find a way to win because he just, the animalist, that, that energy that he has cannot be beat, that spirit that he has that cannot be beat. And I kind of, I try to, you know, utilize that for myself, you know, um, as far as just like, yo, no matter what, that's also kind of the same situation with like No Sweat Pimp, if you guys have heard that, like, no matter what happens, I'm going to come out the victor, no matter what. That's just how I look at it. Like, yeah, I, I, there's, there's losses and failures I'm going to, you know, have along the way, but I use those as lessons, you know, I, I try not to look at, I try not to look at failures as, a super negative thing all the time you know I try to look at it as like you know it's a it's just a moment for me to like kind of figure out how to get back to it again and actually win this time and actually over exceed expectations that's I think that's what I try to do with that right so films inspire me Godzilla is one of them but another film that inspires me a lot is the movie Jarhead I don't know if you guys have ever seen Jarhead Dari have you seen that movie it has Jake Gyllenhaal Jamie Foxx that Roger Deakins was the DP on it by the way, very old. It's a little old movie, but Jarhead, y'all, was the first movie that inspired me to want to make dramatic films. Like drama is my favorite genre of filmmaking. And literally, literally, uh, Jarhead was like the first one to really kind of get me going as far as like movies that I really loved. Because you know what Jarhead did? And you know what, I, what Jarhead made me realize when it comes to that genre of filmmaking, like drama, not like war, like it is a war film kind of. It is a war film, that kind of. But um, what it made me realize is that drama is really rooted in reality. So like the movie Jarhead, I'm not going to spoil it for y'all, but literally what happens is, is about a guy who goes into the army and thinks that he's getting ready to fight people, kill people, all this kind of stuff that people think happens in the you know, military and stuff all the time. But he doesn't, he doesn't see any action at all. And his whole experience, like everything that he didn't think would be a part of the military was a part of the military besides 
the killing, the fighting, and the shooting, all that kind of shit. Love that movie. Love that movie. It's it's a great film. I would I would actually suggest anybody who has a damn laptop or a phone or has YouTube, you can buy the movie off, rent the movie off YouTube. Go watch that movie. Jarhead is an incredible film. Love that movie. Um, another movie that inspires me a lot, Wolf of Wall Street. I don't really have to explain why. The Wolf of Wall Street is amazing. All right, this is a great movie. Uh, another movie that inspires me heavily too. Um, hmm. Oh, Her, the movie Her and the movie uh, If Beale Street Could Talk. Those movies are like, well, her is about love, but a very different way of love. I would just say you guys should definitely watch her. The dude who played Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, he was in that movie. And it's 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 a crazy movie. That's a really good one. Um, and then if Bill Street could talk, is like about black love and black love always inspires me. Absolutely. So uh, that's some that movie's incredible. Um, but movies that I wish that I made that I've seen. Dune, the, the, the new Dune 2021. I, I wish I made that. Uh, there's this short film that I that I talked about on, on the podcast with Andrew Domville. Shout out to Andrew. I wish I made that movie. Um, oh, horror films. Damn, there's hella horror films that I forget. The movie uh, Hereditary. I wish I made that movie. Hereditary is incredible. Thank you, Brandon. Brandon asked what I ever want to make a scary horror movie. Absolutely. That's actually one of the scripts that I'm writing this year. I actually have a bunch of horror scripts. Um, I just haven't, I just haven't like put any, put anything to them yet, but I, I definitely want to do a horror film this year, or next year. So uh, Hereditary, I wish I made that movie. That movie's, that movie's incredible. You've seen Hereditary, right? Did you like it? Hereditary is nuts. If you guys are, huh? Bro, people are crazy. It's because there's no ghosts or demons. Hereditary is, Hereditary was amazing. I remember actually watching Hereditary with this girl. <laughs> this is back in Indiana. I watched Hereditary with this girl on a date. And there's this, this one scene in the movie. I don't want to spoil it for y'all, but y'all know, like Troy, Brandon, whoever else has seen Hereditary on here, watching on the podcast, listening. There's that one scene in Hereditary that is nuts. You you know the scene, right? Dar, you remember that scene? There's that one scene, though. No, no, with the sister. With the sister. Guys, just watch that movie. That movie is incredible. That movie is definitely a movie I wish I made. I wish I made Godzilla, Godzilla Kong. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. to the yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. to the head. No, uh, I wish I made Godzilla versus King Kong. I would definitely make it a little different. Actually, I wish I made the first Godzilla movie, the 2014 one, because I'd also make that different a little bit too. Um, but the number one movie I actually wish I made, honestly, I think is this movie called. Um, I have it too. I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see it, but I really can't think of the name. Oh, there's a couple movies, guys. I'm just gonna say Hereditary, Godzilla, uh, any Godzilla movie besides the the first American one. And then uh Wolf of Wall Street. I wish I made that too. And Revenant. Actually, that's what it was. Excuse me, Revenant, guys, is the movie that I wish I made. That movie's incredible. That movie's amazing. It's a beautiful film. That movie I actually wish that I created. Um, shout out to Leonardo DiCaprio and the bear, okay. <laughs> what's the next question man so kim says when are you coming up for a fun project shout out to kim kim says when am i coming up for a fun project um troy said for first troy says the, the matrix was the shit the first one yes the matrix was the first matrix was amazing that's certified classic everything else after that very debatable but um anyway 
Kim says, when am I coming up for a fun project? Uh, Kim, I do plan to come back to Indiana pretty soon uh, so I can kick it with you and Dylan. I do want to come home soon. And uh, I'm thinking maybe April. I'm thinking possibly April, I'll probably come back. But um, we'll see. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of productions happening in February. And there's a lot of stuff probably going to be happening in March and April as well. I just want to make sure that I'm here in the Bay Area for the really exponential big projects that are coming here. So that's that's why I want to make sure that I'm here for a little bit. Um, and also, there's just other personal things, too, that I want to be here for. So we'll see what happens, y'all. I will hopefully be up soon. But also, I know Kim is talking about CART, doing a commercial for CART. I'm definitely ready and excited to do a commercial for cart. So that is probably the fun project that you're probably talking about. So uh, let's, let's see, let's, let's just wait it out. But I'm thinking April is when your boy will be back in Indiana. You know, and that's for everybody in the live. Yeah, I'll be probably hopefully be back by then. What's the next question? Oh, this is Troy's cut. Troy's question. Troy says, what, <laughs> what do I look for in a woman? <laughs> You know, I saw this question, Troy, and I, I thought that was, I thought this was a really funny question because now, now, damn, I, I got to make sure I answer this right because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up, man, because look, man, there's been, there's been a couple, couple people that have hopped in my DMs as I've been releasing and talking about certain things that I've worked on. And I, I I'm a little confused, you know, <laughs> I'm a little confused. I'm a little like, you know, the energy is not there. But at the same time, I'm also, there's also uh, make sure mom approves. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so what do I look for in a woman, y'all? This is this is a question that people must ask or must want me to answer. But um, what I look for, I, I look for honesty. That's one. I look for honesty. I want that person to tell me the truth and nothing but the truth, uh, because I'm going to give you the truth and nothing but the truth. Um, I want loyalty. Loyalty is a big one. That's actually probably the biggest thing that I look for. I, even outside of the love aspect is loyalty. Um, I look for support. You know, I have a I have a career that that uh, that is a lot sometimes to deal with mentally and and emotionally and all that kind of stuff. So having support is huge because yes, I do get a lot of. I, there's a lot of people who love me and respect me and support as well, but. I mean, just the way that I operate and just the way that I move sometimes, I don't, I'd be missed. Sometimes I don't see that support. I don't feel it all the time. That's just, you know, that's just, I guess that's just me and, you know, how guarded I am at, at sometimes. So support is huge. Um, what else? Uh, nice. Someone who's nice. Someone who's actually like just a, a cool, nice person who's funny. And, uh, you know, they got ass, you know, <laughs> add that in that's it that's what i look for okay uh that's what i look for in a woman and i'm gonna keep it at that okay uh what's the next question <laughs> the next question is from troy who says will you offer classes to teach young inspired videographers photographers directors etc troy i really do love that question um i love that question would i ever want to teach classes on film photography videography um <laughs> Y'all, y'all acting crazy in the comments in there. <laughs> but anyway, uh, would I teach class for that stuff? You know, honestly, I don't know, right? Like Dari, you would agree. Dari just hopped off so he could mess, mess with C camera over here. But um, you know, would I would I teach? Yes and no. I would not teach a class 
per se, but I, but I would do something a little bit more, a little bit more direct in terms of building up brand stuff. So like e-commerce, um, I would definitely help hold like live workshops of how to, you know, a basic setup of how to shoot a scene, how to light a scene, how to direct, how to, you know, uh, comp compose your shots and all that kind of stuff. I would teach stuff like that, but teaching a class, right? I guess the class word is what gets me, is what gets me more of that vibe of like, when I sit down, put kids in desks and say, look, y'all, this is what the fuck I'm talking about on the screen right here. Like, no, I don't think I would do that. And, um, but I would do something a little bit more beneficial to the brand and the company. Like, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm against anything like that, but you know, my mom, I actually said it on my album, I said, mom, mama said I was put here to teach. And what I meant by teach, I don't mean by like in the class, but uh, I just mean through, through my own actions, through the things that I create, through the people I meet, through the experiences that, you know, I go through, through the losses I take, the failures that I meet, the wins that I gain, you know, those are the things of how I would teach folks in those aspects. So I definitely would through workshops, e-commerce, through live sessions like this, you know, hopefully this gets the opportunity to, you know, give people a chance to learn something. So I would, I would, I would do it like that. I wouldn't necessarily teach, but he says, mm -hmm, teaching through creation experience. Actually, absolutely. Teach through creation experience. I think that's the biggest thing. Now, Steve, Steve Franks, if you're watching still, I know T like, I wouldn't say teaches, but mentors, like all that stuff is the same, like teaching, mentoring, coaching, directing, all that stuff I put in the same vein. So it's like, I feel like I'm already teaching stuff, you know, but I do think there's a more direct sense. I don't, I don't give so much direct stuff towards photographers, videographers, filmmakers, directors, stuff like that. First of all, I don't, I wouldn't teach photography. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not a photographer. Uh, I know how to do photography, but I wouldn't teach it. I would, I would give that off to people who I, who I look up to as photographers. Um, videographers, once again, I'm not a videographer, but there is way I, I could teach some stuff like that. And as a director, teach stuff like that as well. So I would say, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind teaching, just not in the classroom. You know what I mean? Like our degree, technically at full sale, you know, can get us to teach at full sale one day. <laughs> Would you ever want to do that? <laughs> yeah, TED Talk. Oh, for sure. You know, like teaching is one thing, but like, I don't know. When I think about just trying to teach kids, I think about like TAs on set. And I'd be like, dude, if you don't want to be receptive to this information, then why are you here? You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, my Steve Frank says, I do both. Coaching is way more cool. You'd be a great coach. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. I, You know, honestly, <laughs> this actually leads me to a, a random thought in my head. Brandon and Troy, you guys are going to laugh at this, but, like, I remember Dylan. <laughs> Dylan thought he was going to coach at Snyder one day, and I thought that was the funniest shit in the world. I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. Shout out to Dylan. But I just thought that was hilarious. Um, I, I, would, I wouldn't even mind coaching one day, like like a little, not even a little league, but if I could just hop in for one season, coach at Angola High School, we actually might win. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, shout out to Angola High School and uh, shout out to, uh, to you. And mom said, what about, how about a fall creative forum? You know, mom, I something like that would be cool too. Uh, I, that would be cool, actually. I'm open to anything, really. I'm open to anything as far as like opportunities like that. Cause like I love film. It's a part of me. It's what I do, but I, I would even be down to teach other things too. Like I think teaching youth that look like me, black youth, 
that would be cool. Teaching them how to get up in a creative space and how to get up an entrepreneurship type of vibe. Like that would be great. Um, I don't know. I'm down for whatever, man, you know, whatever to build the brand and whatever to build me and my growth personally, I think is, is big, you know what I mean? And give it back. Like there's so much stuff I want to do for Angola. Like I want to do a networking event. Like that's going to be a moment to where I can teach and bring people like you, Steve and Troy and everybody else to teach for folks. Like that's all it is. I want to give back to people, but I'm still also just trying to figure out what ways, how I can do that. And right now I just think creation and experience is my, my best way for now. So what's your next question? The next question is from Troy. When's the last time you ordered chicken tenders and fries? <laughs> Troy asked, when's the last time I ordered chicken tenders and fries? Literally yesterday. <laughs> Me and Dolly went to Raising Cane's. Uh, Bussing. Yeah, Raising Cane's is nuts. If y'all never had Raising Cane's, y'all can't say nothing. Like, Raising Cane's. Look, I love Lee's, right? Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken in Fort Wayne, Indiana is my favorite place in the world still. But Raising Cane's, Raising Cane's, might, it might be better than Lee's. I ain't gonna hold you. Like, Brandon, actually, Acres, you remember, we went to Raising Cane's in Colorado. Raising Cane's is incredible, <laughs> okay? It's incredible. So I had chicken tenders and fries because literally all they have there is chicken tenders and fries. So um, shout out to Raising Cane's. Uh, hopefully I can get a sponsor one day. Goated. He said Lee's is goaded. You're right, Lee's is. But Raising Cane's is also a bigger, it's a bigger brand. And uh, Raising Cane's is, is God tier. But anyway, <laughs> go ahead, Dark. What's the next one? So Jamel says, if you could smash oh. a porn star, who are you smashing? <laughs> yeah, I don't want I almost don't want to answer this question because my mom is watching. <laughs> no, 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 I'll answer this. Damn. All right. So <laughs> shout out to Mel. Mel, Mel with the dumb questions. He said, if I could smash any porn star, who would it be? I'm just going to make it quick, man. Uh, this is Alicia Tyler, who is dead, by the way. Alicia Tyler. No, 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 no. I'm saying Alicia Tyler when she was alive, but she, she's passed away. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> no, nah, I don't. And I, and I also have more that I bet, but runner-ups. Alexis, Texas. Yeah. No, I was playing. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Ooh, how that's a good question so the question is y'all how does someone like me make it from a small town make it to a level like me now i know that's an anonymous question or anonymous person okay so i love this i love this question because i've been thinking about this a lot recently the best way for someone to like rise from like an angola or like a fremont indiana or i don't know how big deltona is but you know small towns like that Honestly, I think you have to be relentless in your passion. You have to be relentless. And the reason I've been thinking about this so much recently is because um, I have realized that I've gone down in my relentlessness just a little bit, not in my passion, but in the relentlessness of, of just saying shit. And I think the reason I've gone down about that is because I'm in a new environment and I'm uncomfortable, which is a good thing, but I am uncomfortable all like being outward so much because I've met a lot of people who are kind of gatekeepers in certain parts of the industries for me. And it's like, I don't want to fuck up, <laughs> you know, and I don't want to say the wrong thing, but at the same time, I am Stefan Whitaker. I am who I am. And, uh, 
I'm also, I can own up to any faults or any negatives that of, of myself or things that I've delved into or whatever. So at the same time, I don't want to be afraid to just say whatever, especially when it comes to motivating people and inspiring people. Like you have to be relentless in the passion. Like Troy, Brent, everybody who's on the live who are watching, if you know me personally, Dari, you know me too. Like, but I, probably not Dari, probably not as much as like those guys know. Like when I was getting ready to go to full sale, I was ridiculously relentless in saying, guys, I'm going to full sale university. I'm going to get this scholarship. I got the scholarship. I'm going to be a director. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I was relentless with it. Even after college, relentless. I would talk about, I would talk about all these different things I'm going to do. I'd be on Facebook going crazy talking about I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I've made albatross. I did no sweat pimp relentless with it. I spoke about it all the time. And I realized I need to bring that back for myself. And I think that's honestly the biggest thing. That's my, that's my answer is like, you have to have relentless passion. Um, this shit lives within me. You know what I'm saying? It lives within me. And I, and I feel like I have to be relentless to, uh, to build up on that. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're coming from a small town and you want to do something, you want to make something of yourself, you have to have that relentless passion. You have to let people know, this is what the hell I do. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm trying to do. And I'm going to make it happen. You have to be relentless like that. So that's my question. You know what I mean? And, and the level like me, the level like me part of that, I mean, you know, I'm still climbing and I'm still climbing in my career. So I can't really talk about what level I'm at. I know, I know the level I'm at. I'm very self-aware of that, but I gotta be, you know, I'm also just aware of Dara. We've talked about it. Like I'm aware where I'm at as a, as in the freelance space of filmmaking. And I'm also aware of where I'm at with SW films. And I'm also consistently trying to be aware of where I'm at personally, you know, and uh, it's a, it's a tough balance, but you know, that's life, right? We have to balance our life and our work and all that kind of stuff. Uh, let me look at these Facebook questions. Troy's like, yes, sir. I heard part of it from Steve Franks. You know how to brand yourself. Absolutely. Um, Troy says, you knew that you knew what your purpose was. I found out a couple of years after uh, we have that relentless passion that we want to do. Absolutely. Troy, no, 1000%. And he said, how has the term cinematic excellence changed in your mind since you started using it? Oh, that's a very good question, Steve. Once again, this actually goes back to relentless passion. I love that question because I actually was reading through, Dari, I don't know if you did this in full sale, but do you remember we, like, I got my scholarship through the Creative Spark thing. I don't know if you ever seen that in full sale, but like, um, shout out to, it was Jenny Harvey Dunn who's watching, shout out. Um, and thank you, Steve, for that question. But I actually, I wrote, so how I got my scholarship at Full Sail, right, guys, is I had to write this paper for the Creative Spark. And literally, I looked at it the other night, mind you, Creative Spark, I wrote that in 2014, y'all. That's eight years ago, just about. I literally used the word cinematic excellence in that writing. And I'm like, holy shit, that's crazy. Like, I was on this whole cinematic excellence thing for a, for a while. And... Steve, to answer that question, how has it changed? I mean, it's changed to me actually forming in, forming what I've thought cinematic excellence was at the time or what I continue to see it progress into and actually creating it, you know, uh, in the real, in reality, in real life, you know? And uh, that's how it's changed. I think just the level of it has changed. Like when I used it back then, when I created my, you know, created my, um, when I created that thing for my, my, uh, scholarship i think it was more of like i just want to make something that looks good and that looks amazing 
but now it was like, nah, like this is actually more of, I'm trying to create something that's just something that really will touch the soul emotionally or, or mentally in some way, like all that kind of stuff. Like there's movies that I've watched guys that I've literally cried at. Dari, have you ever cried at a movie? Yo, the movie Arrival, the opening scene of that movie, I cried. <laughs> and if you guys have seen Arrival, Arrival is not like a hella emotional movie, but there was something so beautiful of the way that was just choreographed together, right? Like, I don't know if you've seen Arrival, but like Arrival was a beautiful movie. Like that to me was cinematic excellence. I look at Dune 2021, cinematic excellence. I look at the new Spider-Man, cinematic excellence, like those i want to make something that lives on forever what is going to be my legacy i want to build my legacy as as my person people can remember me as a person but as a creative i want people to learn like remember my projects you know what i mean so that's how it is i think i'm creating more things that people can be able to take in uh that can live on like black rose wander sweet mirage no sweat pimp those are things that live on no sweat pimp is still living on you know crazy enough you know what i mean it's like those things are what still lives on so that's that's what I look look for when it comes to that. Um, Mom says, "Remember, they said you knew about some old directors that some young people." No, actually, yeah, absolutely, lives on forever. So, uh, what's your next question, Dari? Oh yeah, get that camera too. Uh, first of all, thank you guys for listening to the live, and thank you to everyone who's listening on the podcast or watching the YouTube video. There's a bunch of stuff going on, so I appreciate all y'all. So our next question is, what's the most important movie of 2020s, and why? Shout out to Big Brother Roosevelt. He said, "What is the most important movie of the 2020s and why?" Um, when he asked me that question, I was like, "The 2020s." <laughs> I was like, "What?" Yeah, we're really in there. Yeah, we're really in there. Uh, and Dar, I want you to see if you agree with this. I don't know how often you like go out and watch hella movies, like new movies and stuff, but like, I think the most important film of the 2020s is easily the new Spider-Man movie. Hell no! No, easily. Easily, it's nah. You know why it's easily the best? Because we're talking about the 2020s. It's only 2022. What? First of all, 2020 didn't have any good movies that really came out. Hold on, man. What, what, what good on, movie man. came out in 2020 that you no remember? Time to die, 007. That came out last year, and look, that movie was cool. Best movie so far. No, if you could say it could be the best, but was it the most important? No. <laughs> All right, let me answer this question. You shut up and stay back there. Um, <laughs> don't look up. Oh, yes. Troy says don't look up. Have you seen that movie yet? Yeah, but I still have it. Oh, man, that movie's incredible. That is that. Troy, that's actually a good one. Don't look up. I don't think it's the most important, but it is one of those movies that is going to be very important in the next couple of years, for sure. But I'm going to say Spider-Man is the most important movie of the 2020s because there has not been a movie that has gathered people to the theaters so thick and heavy as crazy as spider-man has since events of game no movie has done that since and mind you guys we're still in a we're still in a, in a panoramic over here we're still in a pandemic okay <laughs> we're still out here and uh yeah yeah i'm sure a lot of people probably got COVID at them damn at them showings but <laughs> literally that movie is probably the most important of the 2020 and the reason why is because marvel has had went through the entire process to create it to be as groundbreaking as it was I don't want to spoil Spider-Man at all. I know they've been starting to kind of let some of the spoilers go. You, you haven't seen it, right? I know you have seen it. I might have to spoil it for you guys. Actually, I don't want to. I don't want to. Steve, I don't know if you've seen it. Mom, you, you're not going to watch it, but still. 
that movie just had a couple things in there that that has it's literally been decades decades of work already put in and they sh- messed all this stuff together for that movie to be what it was so to me honestly that's the most important movie of the 2020s so far for sure what's the next question our next question is coming from Jalen. when do you realize the value of your work mm. when do you realize the value of your work from Jalen? um hmm you know, I thought about that question, actually. That's a really good question, because I have I have been thinking about the that what's the value of myself and the work that I've been doing as of late. You know what, you know, okay, so I kind of mentioned to you, all by the way, with this B cam here, I think the B cam. Yeah, you could probably go up on the I not the ISO, but go up on the shutter. Oh, oh, then yeah, you can turn up the ISO. Um, this question value. So when do you value, when, when does, when does your, when do, I forget the damn question. (laughs) When do people see the value in your work or when do I see it? You know, when I seen my value of my work, honestly, I think it came when I had more eyes, obviously that's like the basic, the basic generic answer. Like, it's like when I have more eyes to my stuff, that's when it seems like there's more value. But honestly, I think it's like, when I realize, I'm gonna keep it real with you guys. I think the the most value I've seen from my work recently, kind of comes from my most recent short film that's coming out, Black Rose Wanders, which might sound weird to a couple people because uh, some people could either say it's bad. Like some, I've shown Black Rose Wanders, you know, to a couple different people, and some people will compare it to like Sweet Mirage, which is my second short film that I did, dropped in 2020. A um, reason I put say that's the value because. I got to make that movie with my family. You know what I'm saying? I got to make that movie with my niece. I got to make that movie with my brother. You know, my mom played a small part in it as well, even though she didn't have a credit in the film. <laughs> Love you, mom. Uh, I made that movie with my family. I made that movie with the resources and, and the people and the things I had near me. And uh, for that film to come out to be what it is and to be what it, what it will be, um, I think that's the value that I've seen. You know what I'm saying? And And uh that's how i look at it you know and there's other there's other like there's other i guess experiences or 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 examples i could give but to me those is what the that's the probably the best experience i can say is that i get i got to make a movie that not is only going to inspire myself but like when i do premiere the movie eventually i think it's going to hopefully inspire people because my niece is in like fourth grade or something so i'm hoping that it's going to inspire the people that she goes to school with you know what I'm saying? Like the kids, the film is about self-love. So I'm hoping it inspires them in that way. You know what I mean? And most importantly to me, I think that movie is going to hopefully inspire my niece. You know what I'm saying? Like my niece is, is young and, you know, and, and she's not, she's not dumb by any means. She can definitely take in and process a thought, but I hope that the, I hope that when she gets older, that she can understand a, a meaning, you know what I'm saying? That she can understand a real meaning from that film. So I think that's the value that I've seen as of late, you know, Sweet Mirage, I've seen that value, but as most people know, like, you know, that film was a tie to like a real relationship of mine. And, uh, you know, it didn't, it didn't go the way that I wanted at that time. So uh, there's not much value. The value in it is that, you know, it gave people a good time. People can laugh at it. People can smile at it or whatever, but it's not, it's not, it didn't, it didn't hold value for me, truthfully. 
um, at least not, you know, long-term like that. So, yeah, but also truly guys, I also feel like I've been fighting. I've also been, I feel like I've been fighting against my value a little bit, which is going to let me, if I could explain that is like, I, I posted a lot of stuff on my social media with different celebrities that I've worked with and these different products I've worked with. And literally I feel like people look at me like I'm, I'm a completely different person than I know myself to be. <laughs> people look at like, Dara, we literally just had a situation just a minute ago. I'm not going to talk about the situation, but people out here thinking I'm making hell of money. <laughs> They're trying to come up on me. They're trying to come up off of me type thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm being looked at as almost not a celebrity. I'm not going to say that, but there's been situations where people are talking to me like I'm like I am like I am Steph Curry himself. It's like, no, I was just in the picture with Steph. I was working with Steph Curry. I've worked with Steph Curry a couple of times. You know, he knows me by name now. That don't mean that I'm Steph Curry. OK, <laughs> I'm not Steph Curry. You know, I'm not, I don't have the I don't have the profit, the income of Steph Curry. But some people will look at me like I'm a certain kind of person. I feel like I'm fighting against that recently. Like, I feel like most people will show up on my posts when I post about Matrix or these different movies I work on, but they won't show up for like shit for SW Films or shit for the podcast sometimes. Like, honestly, and I got to give Dari his flowers. Dari, I got to say thank you very much for being the one, one of the guests and Steve Franks too. You and Steve Franks actually were the two people on the podcast who actually helped promote on their own, on your own platforms. So I actually want to say, first of all, shout out to you, Steve, and shout out to Dari for doing that. Um, I'm not saying I'm looking for that, looking for that from every damn guest, but it's just like, I appreciate that. Like, I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's bigger than just themselves. It's bigger than like, you know what I mean? I, I appreciate that. It's bigger than just me. It's, it's something that's, that was cool. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like my value is, is at a high place and I'm, and I'm starting to see more of it as I continue to live life and make projects with my company and other folks. But I think value just comes from, I don't know. I think I'm fighting against it just a little bit. So that's up to, per, that's up to anyone else's perception. Uh, let me read these live questions a little bit. Uh, Troy, my guy, absolutely. That's all you should ever want. No, absolutely, man. That's it. I just wanted to inspire my folks, you know? Uh, why do you think that is though? Why do you? Oh, I don't, I don't remember what exact spot you're talking about, Troy. Sorry, I was, I was just kind of talking. But anyway, uh, next question. Dark. So Brandon says, what was the hardest part about moving away from home? Mm, what was the hardest part and the easiest part too, I think, right? Yeah, I was waiting for sure. yeah, what's the hardest part about moving away from home and the easiest? Wow. Um, the hardest part about leaving Angola, Indiana, first of all, you guys know, <clears throat> you guys know that uh, I, I moved away from Indiana to move to California. And I've done that before, right? I moved, I moved from Indiana to Florida. So I, I've, I've been a part of it before, but something about college and Florida and all that just felt very temporary. And uh, uh, Troy says, great question, Acres. Now that was actually Brandon Spalding. Shout out to Brandon Spalding who asked that question. Shout out to him. I, I can't wait to get him on the podcast. He's doing some really amazing things and I, and I just can't wait for him to tell his story. But um, the hardest part for me going home, honestly, or leaving home, was leaving family, like not like risking, risking a bit of, this is, no, this is a tough, this is a, a tough question to answer kind of, but like, I think risking, like losing, like uh, the closeness and like relationships and friendships with people, which, you know, 
not it's not something I, I usually give a shit about too much if I'm being honest like with some folks but like my folks my family like Troy Brandon all you guys like Dylan all like you know mom dad Roosevelt like uh I think it's just like the fact sometimes when you're away when you're when you're away from home sometimes that you know there's there's certain situations that you know you leave and that closeness that closeness of that friendship or relationship is gone you know just because you're gone and and years and times pass and it's literally like all right you know you got to move on so sometimes that is the hardest part is just like realizing that some connections and relationships just aren't going to be the same my connection and stuff is always going to be the same for my mom and and you know and all that kind of stuff for sure I think for my brother, me and my brother have gotten close in the past couple of years. Um, my friends, I think whenever Troy, like you would say, Troy and Brandon, everybody, like when I, when I eventually, when I leave, when I come back, when we speak, it's always, it's like we catch up. It's like we catch up from the last conversation. So, you know, I can't say that's the way for everybody, but there is a bit of closeness that does end up getting lost after leaving after a certain times. So that was the hard part. Uh, even like my dog, I have a dog, Grizzly, <laughs> back at home you know dogs love you unconditionally you know so like dog like whenever i see grizzly he he goes crazy but it's just like i could only imagine like going back home one day and grizzly doesn't he doesn't he doesn't pay me no damn mind he pays me no attention that would be hellish i'd cry because i cried leaving grizzly's ass in indiana i definitely did you know so uh that would be hella wild if i had to deal with that but uh yeah the easiest part about leaving home uh realizing that there's about to be more opportunities realizing that you know there's about to be um, my whole life is about to change that was the easiest part or actually leaving leaving the lack of opportunities i'll say that's what i, I think that's what i would properly say about that um i love my hometown i love fort wayne i love angola but like uh there's not opportunities for film there's not a whole lot of opportunities for creatives at you know with things that i want to do there's opportunities for creatives let me not let me not say there's no opportunities but the stuff that i'm trying to do with my goals and mission in life i couldn't i couldn't really achieve those in, in angola you know um if I, I i would say this i could achieve those but i would have to i would have to i would have to i'd have to i'd have to do a whole lot of different stuff i'd have to grow a bunch of legs in a bunch of i'd have to i'd have to go crazy to make it work i'd have to i'd have to add a couple years of my life or take away a couple years of my life to do that personally that's just what i think so easiest part it's just leaving leaving some of the opportunities or some of the lack of opportunities behind and going to uh going to a place that has uh more for me in my career um troy says grizzly is safe at home don't get my <laughs> yeah <laughs> we, we we hope grizzly safe at home mom uh <laughs> anyway um yeah that's that's what that's my answer to that one uh what you got for me dari we have another question coming from deshaun how are relationships handled on set can you speak on that from experience? Ooh, okay. How are relationships handled on set? Can I speak from it from experience? Now, when, when he says relationships, I'm trying to see if he's asking, like talking about like actual relationships. He means professional relationships. Okay. Um, and we spoke about this, Dari. Um, shout out to, oh, is that my big brother, Demetrius? Shout out, Demetrius, my big brother out in San Diego. Love you, love you, bro. Um, thank you for watching too. Uh, so how do I handle relationships? You know, personally, there's people, I, I, and I told you about this, Dari, like there's people who I really love and respect 
out here and those people that i like the respect part i add for everybody you know what i'm saying even if it's someone who doesn't have as much experience for me uh, as me i respect those people because it's like yo you're taking a leap of faith and a leap out of fear to do this job so um or do this career so i i i can respect that you know what i'm saying so I have respect for everybody. I don't have love for everybody on set, right? But if I love and respect those people, those people are my homies, my my friends, for real. You know what I'm saying? So I handle relationships. I handle relationships like that with the utmost, you know? But if it's just people who I don't really know, I'm not really close with, I still handle it with the utmost because it's like, we're, we're all, we have we have one main goal when we're working on a commercial or working on a movie or a music video is to get the damn thing done. That's it. We want to get the damn thing done, go home, get fed and make some freaking money. That's it. So um, that's, that's my answer to that. I, I think relationships, how it's handled is I just, I just try to handle it with the utmost respect. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always like a guy I'm, I, I could be funny and joke around and stuff and have fun on set, but we're, we're here to get the job done. You know what I mean? So uh like Dari, we like we joke around all the damn time but like our regardless if we say hella fucked up shit to each other like it's like at the end of the day it's like oh no we solid still you know there's not gonna be no issues after that um so it's just like you know just realize that not don't take everything personal um that's one thing i don't take things personal i don't try to i don't try to uh you know get get too personal with it you know some people definitely take it that way and sometimes i can't lie sometimes i'm i'm sad i don't take it personal but sometimes i might take it personal <laughs> you know it's just remember to have respect for people and also remember as well as as a creative especially in that field is i mean i guess you could say demand respect but like let people know like yo you're not going to treat me however you think you can treat me like there's people i know i know a filmmaker out here he's a 19 year old kid 19 years old and he literally he's like a kid like he has that kid posture and when i see him on set i'm like yo i tell him i tell him i said don't let these people in this industry treat you like a rag doll because they will treat you like a rag doll without your without your uh <clears throat> without your permission <laughs> they will treat you like a rag doll like troy you remember playing football how we used to like ragdoll the shit out of aj hawker shout out to aj <laughs> but like that's how people <laughs> will treat you in these industries they will fling you around like a like a like a damn fool like don't don't be that person like give respect to people but also demand that respect from for yourself as well on an onset or with any kind of situation you know what i'm saying so um that's uh that's my uh answer to that you know it's just handle with respect and be cool so um, but yeah, Troy says gotta go. Thank you, Troy. Thank you for being a part of this QA. I appreciate you. What's your next question, Dari? Next question is Have you ever had to deal with difficult crews or cast? Ooh, who asked that question? It's anonymous. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like I know who asked that question, but have I ever dealt with difficult crews or cast? Um uh crew, absolutely. <laughs> I've definitely dealt with difficult crew on set. Um, I'm trying to remember a specific situation. Like sometimes you can tell, sometimes you might know who is difficult um, and stuff like that. Like there's a person who I worked with. I'm not going to say any names, but like there's a person I've worked with who I heard a lot about before I ever met this person. 
And then when I actually met this person on set, they were worse than that person even said. <laughs> and sometimes that person always tries to hire me for gigs, but I'm just usually never available. Um, but yeah, like that person was difficult to work with just because they've also been in the industry for a while. Um, but cast wise, have I dealt with difficult cast? Uh, not really, not really. Everybody cast wise has been cool. Like, uh, I'm really trying to think actually of a difficult cast member. I honestly, I don't think so. Sometimes there's background artists who might have a little bit of, they get, they a little mouthy sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, but most of the times background actors are hella cool. Um, because background actors usually get treated the worst besides PAs on set. So, uh, but no, I haven't dealt with too much difficult cast or crew. Everybody's been cool. Everybody is, is, is uh, respectful once again. You know, it just goes back to that respect situation. But there is definitely some people who like to press your buttons. Absolutely. And how do you deal with those difficult people? Sometimes if, if you feel like someone is crossing a boundary, you have to you have to be assertive and kind of let people know, like, yo, like, they're like, I get it. We're in a, we're in a work environment, but there, there has to be a situation where you can chill and relax. So uh, that's how I usually deal with difficult folks. You know, it's just let people know, like, yo, don't cross this boundary. Uh, we're here to work once again. We're here to get this, this job done. Um, shout out to my cousin. Uh-oh, look, uniquely green up in here. Ronika, what's up? Thank you for joining. Um, so, all right. So uh, next question, Darf. Oh, actually, uh, let's see if there's a question actually here on the podcast or here on the live. Uh, my brother says, what was, your pro what was your process for No Sweat Pimp? Oh, my goodness. That's a, that's a crazy question. Uh, and that's a very, like, I don't want to be long winded with this answer either, but how I created no sweat pimp. I had to, I had to go through every single emotion possible. <laughs> that's how, that's how I, that was my process. I had to be angry. I had to be sad. I had to be happy. I had to be, you know, I had to go through every single emotion that I possibly could to, to create the album. You know what I mean? And, and honestly, the, the process was just living through life, you know? Um, but the basic process, the technical side of that, my cousin, John, shout out to John, uh, Mr. Enigma or whatever the hell he's calling himself now. He, I think he has a different, <laughs> a different rap name, music name, but shout out to him. He was my uh, executive producer for the album. And uh, basically I would say, hey man, I wanna, I wanna schedule a session today and we might go record two or three songs. I recorded all of my stuff first and then I added hella people at the very, during the end, you know, basically. So I would do a couple songs, add a couple verses, uh, then he would do his whole mixing and mastering thing, which always pissed me off because it took such a long time <laughs> to mix and master every single track. But um, that was the technical process, you know, part of it at least. Uh, but that's the basic process, bro. It's like, I had to go through emotions. I had to live life. I, and I had to just write it out. You know what I mean? Just write out the process. That's how I kind of went about it. Um, but Dari, what's, what's your next question? So we have uh, another question saying, what is the craziest rap party you've had? What is the craziest rap party I've had? You know, I haven't really been to any rap parties. Uh, for the people who don't know who are listening on the podcast or watching the live or literally a rap party is just like, you know, when, that, when they say that's a rap, it's like, oh, here's a party to celebrate the madness that we just went through on this production. I've only been to a couple rap parties and none of them, none of them have been crazy. Um, none of them at all have been crazy. So uh, honestly, uh, I can't, I don't really have a, an answer. Deshaun, I know, is asking that. Deshaun, we did do a rap party for How the Hurt Caught the Dove. We went to, uh, we went to the Central, was it Central Florida uh, uh, Fair or some shit? <laughs> we went out there and uh, that was really funny. 
um that was my only time really having a rap party but i've never gone to a rap party where people are doing cocaine and shit like i know people be doing people be doing that but i i haven't been to those rap parties i promise uh i'm not really interested in rap party i mean i am i'm interested for rap parties for myself and for my productions and for bigger productions like i wish i would have hopped on the rap party for matrix like i remember that i remember that happened but you know i never went to that or I, at least i didn't get notified about it so um yeah no crazy rap parties for me i'm i'm a I'm a, a, a very uh, chill person. <laughs> What's your next question, Dari? Are the makeup girls the prettiest on set? <laughs> Are the makeup girls the prettiest on set? Uh, I mean, usually, I guess. I mean, the makeup girls definitely, makeup and costumes folks are usually have a very specific look and the art folks too. Uh, but I mean, I guess, I would, I would say probably the PAs, which sounds weird to say like, oh, some of the PAs be pretty because it's like, when I say PAs, it sounds like I'm saying like, like a, the freshman of high school, like is the pretty, <laughs> like that's what PAs I'd be thinking, like reminds me of. Uh, shout out to my cousin, Diane, just hopped in the live. Shout out to you, Diane. I love you too, Ronick. I love Di love you, Diane. Love you, brother. Demetrius, I love all y'all. But um, yeah, I think the makeup girls, are they the prettiest? I mean, I guess, I don't know, you know, possibly. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the next question. We have uh, your mom that says, when you have a guest on your podcast, do you prepare specific questions specific to the person? What if you don't know that person that well? Mm. Mom has a question. That's a really good question. Um, mom says, do I prepare specific questions for my guests on the, on the pod? And what if I don't know them well? That's a good question, mom. I'd, I'd like that question a lot. Um, Obviously, the most of the people I've interviewed recently, I, I know those people. Like when I interviewed Dari back here, um, I know him personally. So uh, I had a bunch of questions that I just wanted to ask because that's that's my homie. Uh, same thing with like Steve Franks. Um, I know Steve. I watch a lot of Steve stuff. I get advice from Steve. So I have a lot of questions that I just wanted to ask just to figure out how what his start was like. Uh, for all of my peoples, I do that. Now, if I don't know them well, there's only one person that I've interviewed recently on the pod that i don't really know too well that was trent trent uh fuck what's his last name i forget his last name i feel bad man for not knowing his trent lewis i interviewed trent lewis that was episode three uh on the podcast i didn't know him too well but you know i asked him questions because he's he's a videographer in angola and i have met him and spoke to him a little bit but i didn't know him all the way all the way like that so i just had some questions i wanted to ask about his process I, I mean even if i don't know them well i'll research you know like i have a couple people i'm interviewing soon that i don't really know too well and it's like i do research like who is this person you know surface level that i could ask and then when we do the podcast i try to delve a little bit deeper you know without breaking any boundaries or you know making people uncomfortable or anything like that so it's like that's how i that's how i go about you know uh kind of finding out questions or building up questions for these guests is so I just figure out like, who the hell are you, you know, and what's, what's excellent about you. I'm sure there's something. That's how I go about my questions. So um, yeah. Uh, what's the next one? We have another question saying, I notice that your guests seem to be very comfortable with you and tell you their truths. So to speak, I admire that about your podcast and in your guest and you do you talk do the guests talk later about regretting telling you their truth? Mom, I know that was your question. That's such a long question. <laughs> you worded it hella long. But basically, my mom says, 
the people on my podcast usually feel comfortable asking, you know, me asking them questions, but do they ever regret telling me anything? I haven't had anyone say they regret telling me anything. I think, uh, shout out to my boy, Andrew. Uh, some, I think he was like, he wanted to make sure to answer the questions to the, to the best of his ability. And he may have felt that he didn't answer certain things to the best of his ability, but he never said, yo, you should delete that. Actually, there's actually one person. Now that I think about it, there's actually one person who did ask me to delete something from the podcast. Um, they did ask me to delete something because it which was weird because it was a situation that also involved me, but they wanted they wanted me to delete it. It was more and more mainly involved their own personal situation, but it was something that it was a project that I worked on that me and this person had worked on, and, and they just kind of didn't want this specific information out in the podcast. And and honestly, I was about to leave it in <laughs> because I didn't think it was a big deal. But that would, you know, I, I wanted to be respectful and, and, I, and I took that particular part out of the podcast. But um, I say this, like, I edit my podcast and if I, was, if I was to ever continue going live on the podcast like this with, with guests and shit, I'm going to say like, hey, if you feel like you're going to regret something, your ass should just probably not say it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't say it. Like, Dari, did you regret something when you told me anything on the podcast? You know what? I regret not telling you more because you asked me like who's a part of DPS and like yeah there's there's so much people that like advocate for DPS and mm-hmm. so much people that come came to me and were like oh Nicholas what's good like what's going on you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just like um oh they was mad at you for not saying that you was a part of DPS hey, bro there's so many people that help me with what it is that I do yeah like my little cousins for instance sometimes I might not mention Nick on the Fabian hey guys oh, like, I mentioned Fabian you know but sometimes yeah. I, it goes over my head because like you know I just yeah that's true i mean i don't know i haven't asked my guests if they have have like if they've regretted anything and i hope they don't uh, you know whatever like there's always opportunity to come back to my podcast you know it's a safe platform for y'all for y'all okay so uh no nah, i don't i don't think anybody should regret anything do i regret saying anything on my podcast i will be honest i do regret saying a couple things on my podcast but at the end of the day i don't want to say i regret them but at the end of the day i will say like you know there was probably a better way to say them the better way to be to have it be said but once again just not saying anything at all but at the end of the day it's out there uh, i can face i can face any issues that come with that this is how it is no regret all right and i think honestly this is the last question i think actually with the written questions so unless y'all unless everyone on the live has any more questions for me this is our last question actually so um give us the last question dari go ahead yeah you know do the little drum roll please and shit do you agree with Steve Harvey that a person has to be has to have their hands in many pots to be successful? A podcast alone or one job alone may not be enough. How about just being able to multitask or do many things like a lot of creatives do? Mm. That was the question. <laughs> that's, the, that's the question. So, mom, once again, thank you for your question. She's like, do you agree? Or she asks, do you agree with Steve Harvey that a person uh, has to have their hands in many pots to be successful? A podcast alone or one job alone may not be enough. How about, you know, uh, yeah. So do I, do I believe in that? I guess Steve Harvey did say that. I think I did hear him say something like that. Um, yes, actually, I, I do believe that. I do in a way. Um, you know, the way to become rich in America, y'all, is, is multiple streams of income. <laughs> I mean, not even just America, but I think in the world, you know, but especially America in this westernized world, you definitely have to have your hands in the pot. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, 
as a filmmaker, yeah, I can make some income and I've definitely made some good income, but um, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not, this cannot be the only thing that feeds me, you know, at least at the level that I'm at right now, even when I get, you know, to be Steven Spielberg level, I still should have something else to cover my, cover my ass or cover my tracks when it comes to uh, just finances and stuff. You know what I mean? This podcast is a whole nother form of, it's a whole, it's a part of SW films, but it's a whole nother thing that's going to, you know, be able to, to build up the revenue and stuff for me eventually. So um, I do agree. I do agree, you know, and there's other things that I want to do that still have connections to SW films that are gonna, you know, gonna make me some money. Look at like crypto and NFTs and stock, like people, there's regular ass people who work at McDonald's who is trying to figure out the stock market, trying to figure out crypto, trying to sell NFTs or buy NFTs. Like, yes, you do have to have your hand in different pots, you know, and it just depends on what pot you want to put your hand in because some one pot might be hotter than the other. You feel me? <laughs> like one pot will be hotter than the other. So um, yeah, I think you should just like, I think it's important to do that. You know, for me, myself and I, it's film, it's this podcast. I'm not going to say music is a part of that, but No Sweat Pimp, you know, made me some money for sure. Um, if I ever make another album again, <laughs> as, as I've been saying a lot recently, um, I would figure out ways of how to make money from that you know um yeah you do have to have your hands in different pots so that is uh that is i agree with that i agree Dari, what do you think what do you think that's do you agree with that with that statement too or with that question yeah i think for even just as a creative not only just to like make a living but to fuel yourself ambitiously creatively like you should be like spread pretty thin in things that you you like love not in things that other people have you spread thin in you know mm. like there's a lot of things that i care about i gotta go check in i gotta go learn some stuff and then i'll you know rinse and repeat right no absolutely um absolutely and mom actually says mom commented on here she says but successful not rich i believe most people at the end of a career can stamp it as successful i do then i'm passing it on to you um well with that mom i think to be successful or not you say not rich right i think if you're bringing in some extra profit and it's maybe not rich or not millions billions trillions of dollars like i may not become elon musk but if i'm making some sort of money from it or if i'm building a foundation or fan base or movement with it yeah i think successful like this podcast is going to be is going to build up an entirely different type of movement for me than than my films will you know uh I'm going to have a bunch of different people coming to me from the, just from the podcast. And I'm going to have a, like, just same thing with No Sweat Pimp. I had hella different people coming to me from that, from the album. I have hella different people going to come to me from Black Rose Wanders or from Sweet Mirage. Like those, those different lanes, absolutely. I think I can be successful in, or you can, you can be successful in if you delve into them. But once again, every pot is not, does not the same temperature, you know? So um, yeah, I think absolutely. I still agree with that. I still agree with that. You know, as long as long as you as long as you put in as long as you put in um as long as you put in enough effort, you put in like the same or you know, as close to equal effort um as that you know, as that main thing that you do, then yeah, you can definitely be successful at it for sure. Um but damn you guys, damn you guys. That's the that's the last question. That is the written question on the podcast. Uh, wow, I can't believe we just went through this whole questions. First of all, thank you, Dari, for reading off all the questions. 
Um, and thank you to everyone who is listening on live right now. Um, it's my family that's out here. I appreciate you guys. I knew it was going to be y'all that was going to be out here. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mom, Diane, Ronica, everybody that came into the podcast, you know, into the live to, to view. I appreciate every one of you guys. Um, first and foremost, I just want to give some last little bit of, uh, last little bit of, uh, you know, announcements and stuff before I go ahead and, and let go of this pod. First, let me turn on an extra light because if, <laughs> yeah, see if everything's rolling still. Uh, we're, go, we're, we're filming here on uh, for our YouTube audience as well, and uh, as well as, you know, for everyone who's listening on the podcast on Spotify and, and uh, Apple and everything. Is it dead? No, you can leave it dead. Fuck it. <laughs> I do have a different, have a different tripod. Anyway, thank you guys for, for listening to this podcast listening to all of the podcasts that you guys have, you know, have done so far and sharing and supporting, you know, I understand that not everybody has an hour or two of their day to listen to the, you know, to listen to me ramble on with my guests. I, I, I understand that everybody has a life. Everybody has different things that they have to do in their life, but I do just want to say, I appreciate you guys at least just listening for like a couple seconds. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's super important for creatives like me and Dari. Like we, we spend our lives trying to, trying to not just build something for ourselves, but build something for others. And uh, it's a process that, you know, can be very fucking grueling at, a, at a, you know, most of the time. So uh, having that support and just y'all sharing and liking and subscribing and following and, you know, helping me build my, uh, my empire, you know, it, it really does, it does make everything a lot easier for me a little bit, you know, and, and hopefully all the stuff that I've talked about on this podcast, people can take it and learn from it and build build off of that so uh, i appreciate everybody who just happens to listen to the podcast and uh, support sw films that's 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 the biggest thing and uh once again this is episode 10 uh the live for y'all on live this episode will be out eventually i'm going to be editing this very soon um and episode nine remember episode nine with deshaun bailey comes out tomorrow january 31st tomorrow so make sure to go watch that podcast it is long it's about four hours long but literally there's some really great moments make sure to go follow us on facebook and follow us on instagram uh to actually go ahead and watch the clips we do post uh, uh clips on instagram and facebook so people can check that out so make sure to go ahead and, and take a chance to listen to that listen to those clips um very interesting podcast with that guy so um and once again guys you already know what it is uh, follow SW Films. Make sure to go watch and share the cinematic excellence reel. I'm super proud of that. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to gain more clients from it this year here in California and all over, I, all over if I can. So um, just thank you to everyone who's been supporting, been sharing, been liking, been commenting, been engaging. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. So, uh, and Dar, and Dar, my brother, just for being here, <laughs> just for being here and, uh, and, you know, asking me these questions. And, uh, yeah. This is great. So I love you guys on the live. My, well, I'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. <laughs> and I love you to all my family and my cousins, Steve Franks. Thank you guys, everybody. Thank you for listening to this live and commenting and engaging. Let me know if you guys want me to do more Q&As because I definitely will set up more Q&As. Um, this is my first time ever doing this. So I might be a little awkward trying to answer these Q&As, but let me, let me know if you guys, if you guys, if you guys fuck with this. Like, I appreciate it. I'll definitely do some more. So anyway... Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. It's an excellent podcast, and I will see you guys on the very next episode. Appreciate y'all.